Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. In today's episode, our guest is the lovely and talented Diana Carter. Diana is a sweet friend of mine, as well as an amazing and hilarious writer. And she's also the founder of an online community for women who are seeking to learn about their biblical identity called Because I'm His. You guys are going to love Diana, and you're going to love our conversation because in it, we're talking all about transitions. Oh, transitions, right? Guys, Diana has been through quite a few transitions lately, graduating from college, moving back home to live with her parents, moving across the country, quitting one job and starting another, and that's just the beginning. Not only has she been through so many transitions, but she also has such a heart to help women just like us walk through those transitions and walk closer to the Lord in the process. This conversation is extra special to me because in it, I get to share the story of a few major transitions I've been through in the past few years. They're stories I don't get to share often enough, but they've really shaped me and Carl and our lives today and our marriage. I'm so excited to tell you about them and to share what God did through them. But before we jump in, there's something I wanted to make sure to tell you about. So in just a few weeks, registration is opening up for my online course, Make the Most of Your Single Life. It's a five-week online course where together with an amazing community of women, you'll learn how to make this season of being single and dating a season of passion and purpose and preparation. We talk about so much over the course of these five weeks, but here are just a few of the things we cover. We talk about how to fill this season with joy and contentment. We talk about how to use this season to become the woman you've always wanted to be and how that's the best way to set yourself up for the relationship you've always wanted. I'll teach you a powerful tool for building confidence, which also happens to be your dating secret sauce. I'll teach you ways of investing in your friendships and your relationship with God and yourself that will make your life richer, more meaningful, and more fun. We'll talk about how to find good quality men to date, even when it feels like you've run out of options. We'll talk about how to be proactive in dating while still being pursued. We'll talk about how to keep yourself out of the friend zone. And we'll talk about what to do with your sex drive while you're single, because we know it doesn't just wait until we're married to show up, right? And guys, that's just the beginning. I only teach this course twice a year, but I'm so excited to say that one of those times is just around the corner. Registration begins on February 5th, but you can only register for five days, so make sure to check out the course soon, and once registration begins, make sure to sign up early. Spots are limited. You can hear all about the course, and starting February 5th, you can sign up there too at loveyoursinglelife.com, and that link will also be in our show notes. Guys, I love this course. The communities that form each time we go through it are just amazing. It is such a sweet thing to not have to walk through life alone, and especially seasons of being single and dating, it is so great to have girlfriends in your same stage of life walking right alongside you. I would love to have you join us. Now, one quick thing is, I know that some of you may be listening to this after February 5th, and that is totally fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and then you will be the very first to know next time we open the course back up. Okay? Okay. So, with that said, I am so excited to jump into today's episode. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Diana. Guys, I'm, I just love the person that we have um, here with us at Girls' Night today. This is so um, this is so fun. You're going to absolutely love her. So I'm sitting here with my friend Diana. Um, Diana, before we even jump into anything, would you tell us who you are and what you do? And I have really high hopes for your fun fact because you're hilarious. So I just, I feel like 
not to set you up for a fall here, but I think you're going to have a really good fun fact. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I've, I've done some thinking about what I should share. So I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so my name is Diana Carter and I live in Charlotte, North Carolina and have lived here for about four and a half years, um, which is totally crazy to me. I'm originally from Long Island, New York. And, um, I recently, um, quit my job in corporate America about six months ago and now, um, work full time for a church here in Charlotte on their communications team. Um, and I also run an online community for women who are just seeking to learn about their biblical identity called because I'm his. So I love that. All right. Fun fact. Hit us. Okay. So I really did think long and hard about this and consulted my husband. Um, but this is my fun fact and I try to, um, like kind of change them up as I share them. But this fun fact is, so the summer after I graduated college, my entire family went on a cruise to Bermuda. So there were 12 of us. Um, it happened to be the same year that was my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. So they decided to take us all on a cruise. Um, and so 12 people nonstop togetherness on a cruise ship can be a little bit like overwhelming and much. So there was one day where we all decided, Hey, we're going to do our own things. Um, and then we'll just all meet up for dinner. So like meet in this part of the ship at six o'clock for dinner. So I just decided to read a book on the kind of pool deck out in the sun. And, um, I was reading my book all by myself. No one from my family was around. And all of a sudden over the loudspeaker, I heard that this was the last call for anybody who wanted to enter the um, Miss Biceps competition. And so I was like, hmm, I mean, this sounds kind of fun. Like, what are the odds? Like, I'm never going to see any of these people again. So I walked up to like the DJ and I entered the Miss Biceps competition. And so I'm like in my bathing suit and you have to strut your stuff in front of these three judges and like flex your muscles. And obviously like the object, just like any competition or pageant is to be named like Miss Biceps, which I unfortunately didn't win, but I won um, Miss Spaghetti Arms. (laughs) So I wore, I like was awarded Miss Spaghetti Arms. They gave me this sash that said Miss Spaghetti Arms. And I look up and hear all this cheering. And my entire family is on the second floor of like the pool deck cheering. They watched the entire thing. My grandma has pictures. And for the rest of the cruise, like the people who I didn't even know on the cruise were calling me Miss Spaghetti Arms. So that is my fun fact. And I still have the sash. So, <laughs> I, okay. Here's what I love most about this. I could get talked into doing something like that. If I had like a team around me, you know, like if I had like two girlfriends with me, I could be like, oh yeah. Oh, I'll for sure do that. But you did that by yourself. And that's the thing. <laughs> like you decided this will not be funny. Like this isn't just like to make my friends laugh. You were like, this will make me laugh just by this myself. Will be funny to me. Yes. <laughs> that oh man, that makes me like you so much more. I'm so happy about that. Um oh, I realized as you were talking about consulting your husband, we got to have Carl on the podcast. Um, and so he's he's the only man ever invited to girls' night, but he was okay. awesome. And we didn't get to share a fun fact about each other um because we just kind of didn't get to it. But and so I realized I like spent all this time thinking about my fun fact. And I didn't get to share it. And so can I share my fun fact? Yes, please. I feel like you'll appreciate this. So, and I'm wearing them right now. Um, I'm very particular about my socks. Okay. Because um, especially like I love walking. Like I love taking really long walks. It's like my favorite, like, I guess it's kind of a lame kind of exercise, but I love it. It's like, it's just kind of my happy place. So, but I'm really particular about socks because I feel like a lot of them 
slide down into your shoes and mm. you get blisters and it's really annoying. So I'm always looking for socks that like stay up. And I don't remember when I discovered this. It might've been high school. Like this is like my life. I discovered that the grocery store has really good socks that last and don't slip down and just stay on. They're just like dependable. And so I buy my socks at the grocery store. Not all of them. I have like a couple cute pairs, but oh my not, gosh. the vast majority of my socks are from the grocery store. And the thing about it, and I'm going to have to like post a picture of this, is that on the toe, and Carl just thinks this is hilarious, like to no end, <laughs> on the toe, <laughs> I don't even know if I can say it. <laughs> uh, it says, no nonsense. Oh, my, wait, I have those socks. So, I have those so, socks. <laughs> I, yes. I have these. Yes. No nonsense grocery store socks. And I wear them everywhere. And anytime I'm wearing other socks, Carl goes, well, that's just nonsense. That's just, just nonsense. That's just nonsense. Uh, you, okay, so you have no nonsense socks also. Yes, I do. And so does my mom. Like, my family had, like, we are patrons of no nonsense socks. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, I love it. Our people. <laughs> yep. I'm wearing them right now. I try not to wear them, like, in front of, like, if, if you're going to be in a situation where it's, like, take off your shoes, lounge yeah. around with people you, like, don't know, then I for sure will wear my nonsense socks. But yes, if it's just yeah. me, just me and Carl, me and friends, close friends, no nonsense. No nonsense all yeah. the way. <laughs> well, really glad that we started here. <laughs> so, so uh, Diana, you and I have known each other for like mm, three and a half years or something, or three years huh? or something now, which is crazy. Um, I I know how we got connected and I want to talk about that, or I know how we, how we connected. How did we get connected in the first place? I can never seem to... Yes. I, I never know this about, about my guests. I know like our friendship, but I don't know. I can right. never remember how it started. Do you remember? Um, I do. And it makes me sound like a huge creeper. Um, but <laughs> so after you published the, like the downloadable lipstick gospel yes, um, on your blog, like not when, like not when it was, you could buy it on Amazon or anything like that. It was the downloadable one. Um, I think when you first like released it. So I like signed up, downloaded it and had been, you know, reading and, and following your blog for, for as long as I can remember and read it and went like to, this is around the time when like, I was really wanting to, um, kind of do something similar, like publish an ebook or, um, you know, just start on the process of writing a book. And so in the front of the book, like where it said the publisher's name, like, you know, on the inside cover, it said, I believe like Anthem Workshop. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, who are these people? Oh my gosh. So I went on the website, emailed them and said, Hey, like I read Stephanie Mae Wilson's book and like, would just love to know about the process. Like, is this self-published? Like asking all these fundamental questions. And the email I got back was from Carl. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, is this like Carl, Carl, like your Stephanie's husband, Carl? Mm -hmm. And it was of course. And so then we started talking and talking about ways that I can kind of work with, with him and then ended up working with you, which was really great. So I think that was sort of like the, like the creation of that relationship it was me reaching out, like in like a super creepy way. <laughs> no, those are creepy one. That's really smart. And, and I, yeah, that's really smart to look, especially if you're like, for anyone who's wanting, um, to do anything with a blog or with a book or something like all of the information for how things are created is in the front cover. And so that's genius, but you're right. Carl did all of the, um, like helped me design it and did all that stuff. And so, um, and so we got to work with you for like 
a long time. Like for a long time, we were we were talking on the phone with you like every week and and yes. working through things together. It was so much fun, and I loved it. And I loved yes. it. I love that we got to do it with Carl too, because you got to know him too, and it was it was really so fun. fun. Yes, I feel like we spent a lot of time laughing, and you guys are just a power couple. So it was oh, awesome to see you guys. <laughs> it was oh gosh, it was so fun. Well, um, I I just um oh one thing I wanted to say on that is Carl designed your blog. Your yes. blog is I I don't I hope you still like it I feel like blogs can be kind of one of those things where like I don't know our style changes and stuff over time but I stink and love your blog I think thank it's you so much beautiful. yes thank you I appreciate that thanks I love it. um but so Diana I you know when when I was thinking about season two of the podcast um you know our whole goal is girls night is to just um hang out as girlfriends and talk about the things we've been through and really like I your name kept coming to my mind and I've loved your writing for as long as I've known you. And, um, I, I love your writing because it's really honest and it's raw. Um, and it's, it's direct in the fact that you don't talk around things like you speak to them. And I just really appreciate that. Um, and it's also hilarious. Like you are so funny and, and I mean, really you're a truly just beautiful writer and you encourage me so much. And so as I was thinking about season two of the podcast, I was like, they need to meet Diana. And, um, I know that you have, um, you know, as I was thinking like, you know, what would I want her to talk about? I know that you have been through some major transitions in your life. Um, and you've written beautifully about them. And it's funny because I feel like you and I have been through some very similar transitions. Um, yeah. and so as I started thinking more and more about it and thinking about what the women in our community are going through, the word transition just kept coming up again and again and again. And, um, and I know that like transitions have been really pivotal in my life and also really painful. And also I hate them, but also I'm really grateful for them. And, um, and I know that you've, you've felt really similarly. And so, um, today I just really wanted to talk to you about transitions and, um, and it's cool because I know that this is something that's really been on your heart a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I had recently been talking with, um, one of the discipleship directors at, um, our church here in Charlotte and talking about how, um, I would love to just get connected with some of the women, um, at our uptown campus, which is kind of in the center city of Charlotte who are, um, you know, kind of transitioning out of college. So I know for me personally, that was a really difficult season of my life for a number of reasons. And just knowing that so much changes when you go from college to post-grad and that particular campus that my husband and I attend, um, really attracts, um, people in that life stage. And so just saying, Hey, there's a need here and I would love to fill it because, well, not because I feel like I have anything special to offer, but because I feel like the Lord has done um, a, a work in me through through those difficult times. And I would just love to um, walk through it with those women. So it's yeah. just like when you reached out to me and wanted to talk about transitions, it kind of was like um, a confirmation for, for me that this is something that the Lord um, has put on my heart for a reason. So I love that. And I love too that, um, that it's the reason you want to talk about this and the reason that you are equipped to talk about this is because you've been through it. And I think yeah. that that's, I mean, that's true for all of us. Whatever we're going through, we, I mean, we can teach on things or encourage people in things we haven't been through, but I think it's better. Like we're, we're uniquely gifted to walk people through things we've been through. And, um, really? I, I had a mentor, it's really the wisest advice I've ever been given. And he said, um, you can't walk anyone through anything you haven't walked through before. So he said, Stephanie, you need to keep walking through the hard stuff because, because you really, you can't walk people through things 
that you haven't been through before. And so I love when we can kind of get to the end of a season and learn along the way and do all of the fighting and the crying and the learning and the reading and the reaching out and, um, and the growing. And then we can stop and turn around and say, okay, there are other girls who are still back there. I'm going to yes. walk, walk through this with them. And, and so I love that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, before, so I want to hear about college cause I know that that kicked it off and we're actually going to talk through, um, I want to just ask you about, there are just kind of a handful of big transitions that you've been through that I've also been through. And so they're really close to my heart. And then I know, like, I mean, we, we can't hit every transition that everyone's going through, but we're hitting some of the major ones. So I want to kind of talk through them and what we've learned and you know, what's been hard, but, but some, like, if we could go back and tell ourselves something, what would we do? What would we tell ourselves? But before we get into that, um, I know that you, uh, a big transition in your life that actually I can relate to also, because I also have one of these, um, a big transition in your life was when you found out you were going to have a baby sister and uh. your reaction to that, you wrote about it and I just died laughing and your reaction to that, I feel like is the perfect picture of how I feel anytime something even tiny changes in my life. So can you tell us the story of when you found out you were going to be a big sister? Yes. And as just a general disclaimer to this, I will say that every bit of this story is true. (laughs) Not exaggerated for like comedic effect whatsoever. And my mom loves telling this story. And I think she even told it to Tyler, like before I ever had the chance to. Um, But so to make a super long story short, I have an older sister who's two and a half years older than me. And then a younger sister who is almost exactly 10 years younger than me. So for, you know, the first half of my life, or I guess a little less than half of my life, I was the youngest, I was the baby. And it was just Faith, my older sister and I. And um, I don't know why, and this feels really weird to me, like reflecting back on it, but I always, not always, but would like kind of make my mom promise that she wouldn't have another baby because I wanted to be the baby because I liked just feeling coddled. And I liked like knowing that like I was the baby in my family's eyes. Um, and so then one day after school, when I was about nine years old, my mom and dad had my sister and I faith go to my grandparents' house after school because my mom wasn't feeling well or so she said, and she went to the doctor. And, um, so we ate dinner at my grandparents' house and kind of stayed there for a while. And then my mom and dad came back And I remember this, like it truly was yesterday. They sat us down in like the sitting room in my grandparents' house. And, um, my mom said, you know, Diana, Faith, we have something to tell you. And, you know, Faith is getting excited because I think she's trying, like almost piecing together what's going on. And I was, you know, blissfully unaware at that point. And she said, you know, we're, we're having a little baby, we're having another baby. And, um, at that point I, um, I guess stood up and literally this is the part my, my mom loves to tell is I did not even bend my knees. I just threw my body on the floor, like fell like a tree falling down like timber (laughs) and fell face down on the floor and started kicking and screaming that I didn't want to have um, a little brother or sister. Um, and so that was my like visceral reaction to this change. You didn't even skip a beat. You just were like, stand, fall. Yes. And I was only nine years old. And like, I've talked to my mom about this since, you know, as an adult and said like, didn't that concern you? Like, weren't you like, like, that seems like an extreme reaction. And she said, no, Diana, like you, you know, you were nine, you were a kid, like you didn't understand. And you know, your, you know, capacity to, um, like understand that there would be enough love for you still wasn't really there. 
And, um, but I always say this to sort of hopefully restore people's like confidence in my morality that (laughs) as soon as my mom started to show, I got so excited, um, and was so excited at the prospect of, um, a little sister once we found out that my mom was having a girl. And like, to this day, people always say that Emma, my little sister, um, like hung the moon in my eyes. They're like, anytime you talk about her, it's always like this you're talking about her as if she's this perfect person and you just like love to gloat over her. And I do like, she is my little buddy. Um, I truly can't imagine like what our family would be like if she was never born. Like, um, it just feels like life the end when Emma was born into our family, you know? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I love that because, um, one, that's awesome. Uh, (laughs) I, I don't remember, I don't actually remember my parents telling me that I was going to have a little sister, but I do. This is like a really random memory. So bear with me. But um, did you ever see the Rugrats movie? Yes. Okay. So there's this one part. I don't remember anything about that movie. Okay. Other than this one part, there's this one part when like Tommy Pickles, the little baby is finding out that he's having a little brother or his little brother's born or something. And there's this one really sad scene where there's like sad music and he walks into a closet with like his little blankie behind him and just like kind of sits there by himself because everyone's paying attention to the new baby. And I must've seen this one. I, I mean, I don't even know how old I was when this movie came out, but definitely pretty young. But I remember sitting in the movie theater just like crying at that part, being like, me too, man. Me too. Siblings are the worst. Anyway. Um, I totally relate. Yes, that's hilarious. I do remember that. It's like such a, like, I don't think I realized, like, I, I don't really remember being that upset about it until, until that movie. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, this is garbage. What is this kid doing here? And are you the oldest? Uh-huh. And how old is your sister? Like, how, what's the difference between you and your sister? Three and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is so funny. So you're like, who is this girl? Where'd she come from? What is going on here? Yep. Um, But I I love, I love the way you said it. And I love kind of how you tied like, like what you said at the end, because I think that a lot of times change can feel cruel. And it's the total, um, I mean, it's the rug being ripped out from everything that we knew was true and right in our lives and everything we knew was good and everything we thought we could count on. Change just totally disrupts all of that. And I know for me, like truly anything, anytime anything changes in my life, I feel like I have the same reaction where I'm like, what? No, this is the worst. But it's so cool because I think that um, like God really does such beautiful things in our lives through change. And that, um, I mean, I can't think of any changes in my life where at the end of the day, like after the kicking and screaming and the temper tantrum and stuff, I don't sit on the other side and go, oh, actually... I can't even imagine what life would look like if this hadn't changed. Like life is so much better because it did. Yes. And that is almost, I think, especially true, at least for me in my life, for the unwanted change, like for Mm -hmm. the change that I didn't see coming or when it came, I was like, no, this is not part of the plan. Like what is going on? You know? Um, well, so. actually, I want to share a little bit on that when we get to, we're going to talk about jobs, because um, I know that you just had a big job transition, but remind me to, to mention that when we when we get to jobs, because we had a big, we've, Carl and I have had a couple unwanted changes in our life um, when it comes to jobs, but even just yesterday, I was sitting there going, I'm so grateful for this. But okay, before we get into any of that, I want to hear about college. So you mentioned that um, graduating college and kind of stepping out into the quote unquote real world, as people say, um, was really hard and and a big transition. And I know what it is for a lot of people. So can you talk about, um, why that was so hard? What made it tricky? 
Yeah. So, um, I went to a small Christian school, um, just Southwest of Charlotte, North Carolina. And, um, you know, home for me was on Long Island in New York. So after graduation, um, I went back home and I didn't super want to, not because of like, a bad relationship with my parents or anything like that. But I just really loved where I was, um, and kind of loved what life was like in college. Um, but for whatever reason, like just really felt the pull to go home, even though it was not what I wanted. Um, as a matter of fact, like on the way on the drive home from North Carolina to New York, I stopped in Pennsylvania for a job interview for like my dream, dream job, got the job, and then like turned it down because I knew that I was being disobedient, like by taking it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just this really weird kind of scenario, just knowing where I needed to be begrudgingly. Um, but I think like the biggest change for me, and it's something that you are totally not prepared for in college is like you go from living in most cases, like within five feet of your best friend to them potentially living hours away. Um, and not just like best friend, but like best friends and and community and people who you can say, Hey, um, do you want to walk to the calf with me? Or, Hey, like, let's go to the library and study like that, at least for me was completely gone. And when I went back to back home, um, even though I loved living with my mom and dad and, um, my, I think both my sisters were in the house at that point, my older sister hadn't moved out yet it still was really different. Like you kind of go from being independent and not really having to answer to anyone about your coming and going to now, you know, I would go to work and get the text from my mom that said, Hey, are you going to be home for dinner tonight? Not because she was being overbearing or like, you know, controlling, but because she wanted to know, like, do I need to make enough for you or, or what are your plans? And so that was a huge adjustment for me. Um, just kind of those practical changes in my life. But then I think what made it even more difficult for me, and this is something that I've realized um, in all these sort of major life transitions, is that what we don't realize, I think, is how much we allow our identity to be wrapped up and tethered to certain seasons of our life. So for me, um, in college, I ran cross country and track. And I I dated this guy who, for almost all of college, who was basically the mayor of our small Christian school. So everybody knew him. He was super friendly. Um, And so I was Diana, the girl who ran a lot, and the girl who dated the guy with really curly hair. And so then when that all kind of changed after graduation, when I was no longer running competitively, like no longer had that uh, as a banner to hold, Um, and then that relationship started to become a little bit strained. Um, and we were, you know, long distance at the time after college, like my identity was really in question. So it's, it's not only that the, um, discomfort was from like this physical change in location, um, in as much as it was like, well, like who am I without those things? You know, Mm -hmm. um, who will I be? when I'm in this new place or in this new season? And will I like that person? Will it be fun being that person? So, um, and you know, I I realize the danger of that now to say that like, this is who I am. I am that girl who runs. I am that cool guy's girlfriend. Um, because all of those things are so transient. Um, so I think that's what makes it really hard is transitions have a way of really asking us like, who do you believe that you are? And like, what is at the core of what you believe about, about the Lord and about yourself? Um, 
So. Oh, I think that that's, um, I feel like so many, um, women are, are nodding and, and like totally understanding everything you just said. I think that, um, I think that one thing that's really tricky about graduating from college is that you are asked, like everything you said, you know, your identity changes. You're not a college student anymore. You don't like the fact that you go to whatever university isn't the most important thing about you anymore. Like no one cares you were in the sorority or that you were on this team or, you know, no one knows your boyfriend, even if he was so well known on your campus. Yeah. Um, And so you, you all of a sudden, yeah, your, your badge is taken off. Um, but also, I mean, you're, you're asking questions like, what am I meant to do with my life? And everyone else in the world, especially at things like Thanksgiving are asking you that question. Like, so what are you doing with your life? And you're like, I don't know. Yes. And, and I think that you also, I really, I'm glad you mentioned friendships because I think that for me, um, that was for sure. The hardest part was that Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, like my closest people weren't close to me anymore. They weren't around anymore. And there's such a starting over that has to happen. Um, and not that you aren't best friends with those people still like, you know, after college, um, I, you know, my two very best friends were my best friends in college and they will be for, you know, until we're like a bazillion years old. Um, but they're not right around me anymore. And I think that we find ourselves in this kind of friendship transition a lot of times, whether we're moving or our friends move. Um, you know, I, I actually stayed, in my college town a year after I graduated from college, which was weird. So even being, even being in the same place, like I didn't go anywhere, but I all of a sudden wasn't a college student anymore. And all my friends left and, um, my best friends, Kelsey and Michelle were, were planning on still living in Colorado, but they ended up both being on mission trips. Um, or I guess I think Michelle was teaching English, but they ended up being out of the country for like the first several months that I was um, kind of starting my life as a postgrad, and it was so lonely. It was really yeah. lonely. I was so yeah, lonely. and I think we kind of get so used to like drawing our comfort and drawing like not even just identity, but our comfort, our strength, our like security from surroundings and from kind of the status quo of the way things are. That when that gets you know, ripped away from us, or we make the decision to walk away from it for whatever reason, like it really challenges like the almost like not theology. I'm like not trying to make this super spiritual, but it really challenges. Um, like for me, it challenged my faith to say like, Diana, like, were you really relying on the Lord or were you relying on the fact that you knew that you could get to the cafeteria in, you know, however many steps or however many minutes, or that you knew that on Saturdays, this is what you were going to do after practice every day, you know? So yeah, I think sometimes routines can, I'm such a routine person too. Mm-hmm. So um, routines sometimes can, can make us a little bit dependent on them. <laughs> I think that one of the things that's really cool about transitions, and I think that this is the case in all of them, um, is that, um, I know that I've had conversations with girlfriends before where when their life is very is very routine and looks the same all the time and they know how much they're going to get paid every other week and that they can pay their bills and kind of who they hang out with and all these things that they say that it's really hard to rely on the Lord because why yeah. do we even need him? Like you have it all taken care of and and you're like it it just kind of seems like everything sort of blends together and and um you just don't really need him to show up for you and so 
the thing that's really amazing and hard about transitions is that you're out of your comfort zone and those things that make you feel like you're okay and taken care of are all of a sudden gone. And so you have to actually figure out what's sturdy, what's not going anywhere. And you actually have to learn how to stand on that. But it's really cool because I think a lot of us, um, for as much as we hate these transitional seasons and these really painful seasons, um, I know that I can look back on some of the hardest times in my life with almost some nostalgia because it feels like God was so loud and so present there. And like, oddly, I miss it, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. I totally know what you mean. I, um, when I first moved to Charlotte, it was like a really, really difficult season for me. And I I lived by myself and I only had like a few friends who like were new friends. So like they weren't like your people yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember sometimes just going home and being so lonely and like though looking back on that now, I'm like, gosh, the presence of the Lord was so sweet Mm -hmm. because I didn't take out my Bible and read my Bible every day and journal every day so that I could take a picture of it and put it on Instagram. Like I did it because it was a means of survival Mm -hmm. and that was truly sustained me. Um, and I look back on that time now and I say, and, and it is a, a scary prayer to pray, but I have prayed it before, like, Lord, I need something to make me dependent on you because right now I am not aware of my dependence on you. Like I'm not aware of my need for you because I feel so self-sufficient. And he answers that prayer. He really does. Um, But I think like you said, there's something so sweet about needing him, like knowing that you need him because you're lonely or because you feel like the rug has been, you know, stripped from under your feet. Yeah. Well, so as you're looking back on your college season, I'd love to know two things. One, um, where, what did that transitional season lead you to? Like what goodness came out of it? Um, yeah, let's start there. Yeah. So I think for me, and this is kind of like, I guess like a weird answer to the question, but I kind of talked about it before where I was made aware of, and, and, and the Lord did this in such a sweet and gentle and tender way, but I was made aware of the fact that I was putting, too much stake in things that I should not have been putting, um, stake in. So relationships, friendships, um, status, you know, just being known on a campus or being known for a certain thing. Like if you, again, small Christian school and, um, you know, by the grace of God did well in school and was involved and, um, was, you know, involved with our athletics and, you know, that doesn't matter when you are, you know, starting your first day at your first big girl job. Like people don't care about that. You are, you know, not the runt. Cause that sounds really mean. And I was never treated that way at any of the jobs I worked, but like you're starting from the bottom and people don't care about that. And, um, so just having to really reevaluate like what matters for me. Um, and then also I realize now, like in that relationship that I was in at that time, like I put way too much pressure on that relationship for it to work out and really way too much pressure on that person for them to be, um, what made me feel okay or what comforted me or what strengthened me or when I was upset who I turned to, which I don't think it's wrong to turn to people, but if that person wasn't available on the phone or I couldn't reach him by text, like there's no need to freak out. Like you, the Lord is always with you and you need to be turning to him first anyway. Um, so I think that season really kind of took the scales off my eyes to some of the ways that I had been maybe kind of 
not tricking myself into think that I was like doing better than I was or, you know, walking closer with the Lord than I was. But I feel like the Lord kind of just said, Hey, like, I want you to come deeper. I want you to come closer. And this is what I'm going to do for you. And it's not going to feel great, but in the end, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. I think that that's always the case. And I think every time we learn something like that, like it sounds painful, like thinking about it, you're like, Oh, like, don't do that to me, Jesus. Like, please, like just, I'm, I'm okay. But it's, when we, when we're able to see things like I was putting too much pressure on this relationship and able to put that, that weight, that pressure, those needs onto God, like we're able to enter all of our relationships with way more freedom and joy. And, um, we don't have to worry, like, am I being too much? Am I being too needy? What if they leave me? Like it just, we're solid. We're, we're, we're solid and, and our feet are grounded when we know who we are in a way that doesn't fall apart when our job changes or that boyfriend breaks up with us or something. And so those lessons are really hard to learn, but I, I know for a fact, I'm speaking on your behalf. I know for me too, but, um, that, that lesson probably serves you really well in your marriage now. Yes. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think it makes you, you know, keenly aware of the fact that like in marriage, like Tyler cannot be what holds me up and Carl cannot be what holds you up. And because you know that it's not fair to do that to a person, not just because of putting unrealistic expectations on them. But like when that is your view of a person that they are your source of joy or strength or comfort, you are not free to love them well. Mm-hmm. And it is only when that pressure is removed that you are able to love them well. And it's a hard, hard lesson to learn. Um, and I'm sure there are many, you know, women listening right now who have learned it or who are in the process of learning it. Um, but it's something that really does serve you well in marriage for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you could go back and tell yourself, um, something as you were in the process of that transition, as you were graduating and, um, moving back home and, and just kind of like struggling through that transition, what would you, what's the piece of advice you'd give yourself? Yeah, I think I would say two things. So, um, like the overarching thing would be that community is really hard on the other side of like the stage at graduation because you're not living in such, or you may not be living in such close proximity to your friends and to community. Um, and so that I think it's important to, especially when you like start your first job, you may be working with people who are five, 10, 15, 20 years older than you. And I think it's important to invest in relationships with people who look different than you or who are in different life stages than you, um, because you are entering a new life stage and there's so much wisdom to be gained from kind of doing life alongside people who are a couple steps ahead of you. Um, and then I think the next thing that I would say is just get used to doing like mundane things with your friends. Um, now when I look at my life, like so much of the time I spend with my friends is like, Hey, do you want to go to Lowe's with me? Or, Hey, do you want to go to the grocery store? Like running errands with people because like, we're all really busy and we all have jobs and some of us have husbands and some of us have children. And so like, if you can find time to accomplish those tasks with your friend, like that is time well spent. Um, and I think sometimes in college or like right after college, we have this idea that like hangouts and and time with our friends should be like Instagrammable and like really adventurous and all of those things are great. And if you get to do them, that's awesome. And there's nothing wrong with them, but like, it's also okay to like schedule a dentist appointment with your friend and sit in the waiting room together, you know? Totally. Totally. (laughs) I love that. I feel like if I could go back and tell myself something as I was graduating college, I would say one, um, you don't need to know what you're doing next. Like, I think that that's 
such a huge part of the pressure that we feel as we're about to graduate is like, what am I going to do with my life? I need to have a 10 year plan. And, um, my grandma actually taught me this. She said, you know, you take, I, and I almost picture this like, um, stones crossing a Creek or something like that. Like you take one step and then a whole wide array of steps are open to you, but they weren't open to you before you took that step. And then when, once you choose one of those next steps, then a whole new array of options is open to you. But you don't, there's no way that you can map out everything because you don't know who you're going to meet in five years or, yes. you know, this job opportunity that's going to turn into a promotion that's going to move you somewhere new that's going to be awesome. You just, you can't predict those things. So you're trying to, um, like you're trying to, to draw a map without most of the information. So really like you don't need to know what's 12 steps ahead. You just need to pick one. And, and if you pick wrong, you can totally do something different. Um, so I'd say that. And then the other thing is, I know that as I was getting ready to graduate college, a lot of people would say like, Oh, don't graduate. The real world's stinky. Like it's really boring. It's like sucks. It's like responsibility sucks and college is so much better. And I remember sitting there as a senior going, what do you want me to do then? Like, Mm -hmm. what is my other option? So fail out, like be like, you know, a seven, like, what is it? Like a super, 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 super senior. Like, is that the goal? That's crazy. And, um, I just, I hate that advice. I hate that advice that like stay in college. It's, it all goes downhill from here. It's not all downhill from here. Mm -hmm. I, Um, I loved college and I had a really good time in college and I had great friends and great adventures in college, but I'll tell you, my life has gotten better and better and better and better and better. Like I have more fun today than I've ever had before. I have better friends today than I ever have before. I love my day-to-day life more today than I ever have before. And so I think we can decide that college is like the peak of everything, but that's really early to peak. So, um, it's not, it's not all downhill from here. It's definitely a, a rocky transition, but Like the best part's still ahead. Yes. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. So Diana, I, um, I know that another transition that you have made is moving to a new place. And um, you've kind of done this twice um, in the fact that you went to college really far from where you're from. Um, but then also you did it again, moving back. Um, and uh, I have to say that Charlotte and New Jersey are different, right? Like yes. total uh, culture shock. I kind of experienced that moving from Denver to like rural Georgia. I was like, what? He's, like, I'd never even been to the South. So um, moving is a big transition, too. And I know that a lot of people have gone through that. Can you kind of talk about what, um, like, why did you move and how did that go? And, and what was that process like? Okay, so I, uh, that same relationship that I was in in college, I stayed, like, we, we continued to date after graduation. Um, and he was up in the Boston area and I was in New York for the first year and then he moved back to kind of the greater Charlotte area and our relationship was super tumultuous. And we had kind of decided like, actually his parents um, sat us down and said, look, if this is going to work, like one of you need to be like, one of you needs to move. And he was in his dream job at the time. And I was just in kind of a job that was like, okay. Um, but it was a good job. And so we had decided that I would be the one who moved and I was so glad to do it. I was kind of itching to kind of explore new things and be out of my own. So it was perfect. 
And I went to my boss one day and just kind of casually said, um, cause it was a large, you know, um, international company. So they had offices all over. I said, what would I need to do to start a transfer to the Charlotte office? And he said, Diana, here's what we're, we're going to do. Um, we will start that process, but if it doesn't work out, meaning like if the transfer is not available, I'm going to have to let you go because I'm just going to be waiting for you to find another opportunity in Charlotte to pursue. And I need to protect my team. So I'm going to give you a month, like go talk to your parents about it, talk to your boyfriend about it and let me know in a month if this is what you want to do, but just know there's no turning back once we start that course of action. Oh my gosh. Okay. No pressure. Right. So, um, took the full month, talked to my parents, prayed a ton about it, talked to, um, my boyfriend about it and, um, decided, okay, I'm going to do it. So I went to my boss on like some, it was like some day in November and I went to my boss and I told him, I said, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and he's like, okay, like you're brave. This is going to be awesome. Let's do it. I kid you not, Stephanie, the very next day, um, the guy I was dating called me and told me on the phone that he didn't ever think he was going to want to marry me the very next day. And this was after I had essentially like quit my job. So it was one of those moments where I was like, Lord, what have you let me do? Like, what is going to happen? Um, and for whatever reason, I still felt like the Lord was telling me to go. Um, so we didn't break up. We stayed together. We took like a month break where we did that super like unhealthy thing where you don't talk and you try and figure things out and then you come back together. Um, and I still went. And so when I, I think I got here in May, 2013 and by July we had broken up like forever. Um, and so, (laughs) yeah, like the whole world saw it coming except me. It was one of those things. Um, and so, you know, looking back on the outside, I could really see someone make the case to say like, Diana, that was a really dumb decision. You shouldn't have moved. Like you left everything that was secure and safe and that you knew. And you took this risk that was like, not really looking too good. Like it was going to turn out in your favor and you went anyway. Um, and to some extent I could say, yes, I totally agree. Like if my 18 year old sister said she was going to do this in the same circumstances, I would say, Emma, please do not. Um, but there is not a doubt in my mind that the Lord used that difficult situation to bring me to Charlotte for a number of reasons. Um, and so obviously when I got here, it was really difficult. Like I said, I didn't have many friends. Um, the friends that I did have were kind of, um, you know, we were still learning each other. We were still getting acquainted with one another and, I mean, they became some of my best friends, two of the girls, um, or in that I met, like right off the bat, were actually in our wedding, Tyler and I's wedding. Um, but it was really difficult because like the world as I knew it for the past five years changed. And then my entire surroundings changed, um, from, you know, the faces that I saw and didn't see to, you know, the job that I was doing, the office I was in, um, my finances changed cause I was actually paying bills. Um, so it was a lot of change all at once. Yes. Well, so as you're looking at this, because I know that this has been such a good thing in your life, mm-hmm. what, um, what's come out of it? Like what goodness do you see in it? And, um, what things helped you get to that good place? Like, so you're yeah. handed, you're, you're dealt like a really tough hand. Um, yes. how did you, how, what did you do that helped? Um, and then also like 
why why did God bring you to Charlotte? Like, what good have you seen? <laughs> Those are all really, really great questions. I think one of the first things that I did, and I like praise God that um, like he led me to this place, but I knew instantly that I needed community. Um, I knew that I needed people. I knew that in particular, I needed girls. Um, so I reached out to the church that I actually now work at. Um, and the way that they do like community groups or small groups is called life groups. And so I emailed a life group director and I said, Hey, I just moved here going through a tough time. Like I, I need girls. Is there a life group I can jump into in this part of town? And, um, there weren't any available right at the time. And they asked if I could wait until September. And I just wrote back and I was like, I cannot wait. Like I need people now. Like this is crucial. <laughs> like, which made me feel like probably, it probably made them feel rather that I was in like this, like delicate, like, you know, crisis. Um, and it rocks about, oh gosh. <laughs> yes. Um, but they said, okay. And so they reached out to a life group leader, my friend, Christy, who I absolutely adore, um, she met me for coffee and then I walked into a living room full of girls that I'd never met in my entire life and like told them my story. And the two of those girls who were there were in our wedding and, um, like they were pivotal in like the Lord turning that into a really good season and using it for good because they were women who, you know, had challenges of their own and had stories of their own. Um, but continually, pointed me to the Lord and continually spoke truth to me. And, um, not in a way that made me feel like you should feel this way. You should think of it this way, but they heard where I was. They sat with me, cried with me. But at the end of the day, they reminded me that God was sovereign and that he hadn't abandoned me and that he had a greater plan. Um, so they really were the ones who I think like physically carried me through that. Um, and then, like I kind of said before, it was the first time in my life that reading my Bible and spending time with the Lord was like a survival tactic. Um, it was something that I needed. I didn't do it because I was checking the box. I didn't do it for a homework assignment or to lead a Bible study. I did it because I was like, God, tell me something good. Like, this doesn't feel good right now. And like, I need you to tell me something good. Um, and so that was really sweet. Like just looking back on that and seeing the way that that hurt and pain, um, and just unwanted change really bred such a sweet intimacy with the Lord. That's so cool. I feel like, um, I love mission trips, um, Mm. for a very specific reason. And part of it is, is the fact that we get to partner with God, serving his people around the world. And I think that that's amazing. But I also really love it because um, when you're not in your comfort zone, you get to need God in a way that you just don't in other places. And I remember um, being on a mission trip in Ghana right after I graduated from college. And I remember reading the gospels and it all of a sudden made so much more sense. It was like, Mm. oh my gosh, like, um, I think sometimes we get frustrated with the Bible because it doesn't say like, Hey, Diana, break up with your boyfriend. This isn't a great, this isn't as great of a relationship as you think it is. Like (laughs) what the heck? Like God, tell me what you want me to do. But when we are out of our little kind of bubble, when we have a little bit more distance and we read scripture, it's like, I don't know. It feels like it, it, it's like going from reading something on paper to seeing like the IMAX movie or something. It's like all of a sudden it it's larger than life and it washes over you and it changes you and it's real. And it's like, it's like bread when you're starving. It's like, um, it just, it makes it real. And I know that for me, my relationship with God could have been very like, 
on the page if I hadn't had these moments where I was uncomfortable, certainly, but those are the moments where all of a sudden it was like my, I feel like I'm mixing a thousand metaphors here, but I can't like get the right one. Like you my I feel like my relationship with God could have been very black and white. Like these are the rules. This is what you do. And if you're good enough, he won't be mad at you and he'll maybe bless you sometimes. And then you get to like get out of your way a little bit. And when you need him, all of a sudden it's like kaleidoscope color and you get to experience not only the fact that God is a save a savior and your healer and your um redeemer and all these things, but also your friend and that he has wild, beautiful plans for your life that you never could have gotten to if you would have just been like checking the box and following the rules. And really like it is an uncomfortable thing to, to get to a place where you can experience that. But it like, I just feel like life explodes into action and color when we get to a place like that. Yes, absolutely. And just like strips us of our self-reliance and self-sufficiency, because like you said, it is so easy to fall into routine and say, this is what I do every day. And then when that's disrupted, like that is when, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road. Yes. Um, it's so I, I know I've told the story like in a couple different places, but, um, when it comes to jobs and moving, um, I moved from Denver to, um, just an hour north of Atlanta, a little town called Gainesville, right on a gorgeous lake. Um, I moved there right after I got home from the world race because the company who puts it on um, had a job for me. And um, I moved there having never been to the South before, and it was total culture shock. I never thought I would leave Denver. I never planned on leaving Denver. And all of a sudden, I'm like totally out of my comfort zone. Um, and uh it, it was a really beautiful thing for a lot of reasons. It was a really hard season and I cried a lot, but it was a really beautiful season because I got to meet some friends who are totally my best friends to this day. Um, mm-hmm. I got to step into a calling that God had for me being a writer and um, being a storyteller. And I got like an opportunity to flex the muscles I never would have gotten to flex otherwise. Um, I did get to see him way more clearly because I needed him and because I like, I, yeah, I needed him for survival to get me through the day. Um, I also met Carl Wilson there, so it was totally worth it. Um, but like speaking of un- unwanted change, um, Carl and I got engaged uh, at Christmas on Christmas Day, and um, three months afterwards, so we were we got engaged on Christmas Day. We were getting married the day after Fourth of July, so July fifth, um, and in March, so like halfway in between, we both walked into the office one day on a totally random Thursday, and both of us and most of our friends all got let go from our jobs all mm-hmm. at once. And I remember feeling like it was just the most, sur- it was the most surreal thing that has ever happened to me. I remember like pinching myself being like, what? Like I never thought I'd be the kind of person who got laid off or downsized. Like that was something that happened to, you know, other people during the recession. Like it was not yeah. something, yeah. it was not something that was ever going to touch my life. And Carl and I had plans and we were going to stay in Gainesville for a while so that we could like be married and kind of a safe so that we could kind of make one change in our life at a time. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, like we had no income, we had no plan, we had nothing. And our wedding was in three months. Um, and so, I mean, we were thrust into a season of transition that was just crazy and totally unwanted. Um, in the whole thing, we ended up kind of brainstorming about where we wanted to go and um, an opportunity in Nashville showed up and it was really like the only door that opened. And it wasn't even really a door for both of us. Like Carl didn't have a job in Nashville. It was a part-time job and it was just for me. And so we moved 
right before our wedding. Like we moved two days before our wedding and then we drove back to Atlanta to get married. Um, oh my God. A half a job between us and it was mine and it paid like nothing. Um, and so when we got home from our honeymoon, we landed in Atlanta, drove up to Nashville and all of a sudden we lived in this town that I knew nothing about. I didn't know anyone here and we were newlyweds. We'd been married for four seconds and we had no job. So we were thrust into like a major transition, but the thing that was really cool about it is, and I mean, it was, it was really, it was really hard and I cried a lot. Um, but God taught me so many things through it. And I, I really did learn that he has me, he's taking care of me. He's taking care of us. And I learned so much about making new friends and, and like was kind of thrust into that journey that I never would have learned otherwise that I've been able to help other women through the same thing. Um, but the, the really cool thing that happened because of it is I think that when we've lost everything, we have nothing left to lose. And so it makes us brave in a way. And God's able to direct us towards things that we never would have found otherwise. And so um, in the wake of, of losing our jobs, Carl and I both ended up starting kind of our own things. Um, mm-hmm. I totally would not have tried to be a writer for years, decades probably. But all of a sudden I had like, a skill, a couple of people reading my blog and like know their option. And so I went for it. And Carl had, you know, graphic design skills and, you know, was good at all these things and had no other, no better option. And so we both started our businesses. And it was really cool because last night I was, um, we were talking about it and I just was looking back at how much, how upset I was about that tra- transition and how unwanted it was and how it just totally took me by surprise and came out of left field. And, um, and it really did feel like the shaking of everything that ever felt stable in our lives. But, um, one, we are such a better team because we endured that together. Like we are like really great, solid teammates because we've been through really hard things together. Um, Mm -hmm. but also it's really cool what God's doing in Carl's work and through Carl's work and what God's done in our community here. And none of that would have happened without that, that, without that transition. And I just feel like that's, that's the case. Like you never would have met those girlfriends. God never would have been able to really show you who you are and, and whose you are. And um, did you meet Tyler in, in Charlotte? I did. I did. So like we were set up on a blind date almost a year after um, I moved to Charlotte um, by my college roommate's dad. So um, Tim, my college roommate's dad was Tyler's boss. And so he kept saying to Leah, my old roommate, Hey, like Diana needs to meet this guy. He just moved here. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Blind dates are not for me. And then I like buckled once I saw his picture. Uh, <laughs> and said, sure, you can give him my phone number, but that totally would never have happened. And um, I'm sure you and, and Carl would say this too. Like at that point in your lives, like on that day in March, on Thursday morning, like before that happened or like before I got dumped when I moved to Charlotte, like I would never have chosen that for me. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you were to have given me two choices, like a or B a is stay in this relationship and like go down this road that you think, you know, or B is like, it's going to end here, but like, there's going to be other stuff on the other side of this. And you just have to trust. I can be honest and real with myself to say, I still wouldn't have chosen it. You know, like not, not knowing now, I mean like knowing now, I would have, but at that point in my life, not knowing I would have said, I don't want to, you know, that looks really hard. And so I think we have this aversion to discomfort and to change and to, um, just like the unknown. And there's so much beauty in all of those things. If we just trust the God who made us, you know, the God who is 
keeping the world in orbit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I don't know. It's really powerful for me when I think about it that way. Yes. Yes. And I feel like, um, in so many ways we're walking in the dark, especially when we're going through a transition and especially when we didn't choose it. Like we don't know, you know, you don't know when you move to the South that you're going to meet your husband. You don't know that this job is going to turn into this other job, which is going to turn into this other job, which is going to lead you somewhere you never could have imagined. It's like beyond anything you could have ever asked for or imagined. Um, all we, all we have is, God with like a little lamp right in front of us. And we're just taking one step and one step and one step. But I think that when we can keep our eyes on him and just trust that he loves us and that he knows us and that he has good plans for our lives, like we, it it makes it, it makes it so much easier, but we end up someplace really good. I think that that's like my favorite scriptures are the ones that I need the most. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's why like, you know, my lipstick gospel verse, the verse for very first verse I've ever, I ever saw, um, was Habakkuk 1.5. And it says, look at the nations and watch and be amazed for I'm going to do things in your days. You wouldn't believe even if you were told. And yes. I, one, that, that verse is like actually out of context, like super out of context. <laughs> so every once in a while, like Bible scholars want to like give me a talking to, and I totally get that. But that still is the character of God. Um, yes. It is like he like watch and be amazed. He has tricks up his sleeve for us. He has ways of of connecting things and, and, um, working things so that things that we couldn't, we wouldn't even believe if you said, Hey, Diana, this is coming. Like God has a way of bringing those things about when we trust him. And, um, someone recently reminded me of it's Proverbs three, five through six, I think, but it's, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on, lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Mm -hmm. It's like, keep your eyes on him. Like just, don't try to figure out how it's going to work out. Just keep your eyes on him and keep walking forward. He's going to take you somewhere good. And then the last one, and I swear I've literally named the three verses I've memorized. So I sound really <laughs> impressive right now, but like, this is it. But the other verse, and this is like the one I hold on to with, you know, white knuckles and tears running down my face is um, Romans eight twenty eight, um, And it says, uh, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And I think that especially when it feels like our world is crashing down, it feels like God isn't good. And it feels like he's left us and abandoned us and we're, and we're I don't know, like, it just feels like he couldn't possibly be good in the midst of this. But I know for me, like, in the terrible breakup I went through in the Lipstick Gospel, like, that was not good. But God worked such good through it. And through your breakup, like, it felt awful, but God worked such good through it and us losing our jobs. Like God worked such, those things were actually really good. And you can't see it in the moment. You just have to keep shuffling forward in the dark and and trusting him to the best of your ability, but they're always good. And he always has good things for us. Absolutely. You're so right. And it's hard to remember sometimes and hard to see sometimes, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Um, so Diana, I know that we have a lot of women in our community going through transitions of all kinds right now. Um, what, do you have any kind of like last minute, um, encouragement or advice that you'd give them just a couple, like, just like nuggets to put in their pocket? Um, yeah. Um, I think the first thing I would say is don't allow yourself to believe the lie that it's going to be like this forever. Um, one thing that I really, um, try to do, um, just, in transitions, or if I'm going through like a challenging season, or if I'm fearful of something is I really try to like, do that whole, I don't even know where it is. I sound like a terrible Christian, but I think it's in, in one of the Samuels first or second Samuel, um, 
or talks about Ebenezer stones. And I know, I think it's also in either, gosh, Exodus or Deuteronomy. I hope those Bible scholars don't come after me. I know. <laughs> Sorry, Bible scholars. This isn't, this isn't necessarily the podcast for you. We do the best we can. <laughs> the Israelites are crossing the Jordan River. Yes. And the Lord says to them, like, take these 12 stones and, and put them on the side of the river so that when your children ask you, like, what are those about? You can tell them, like, this. the Lord brought us across this river. Like, I really try to say in my head, remember when you, like, graduated from college and that was really hard and this is how you felt and you were convinced that this was the end of life as you knew it or remember when you the guy that you thought you were going to marry like broke up with you and broke your heart um and you thought that you would never love someone again and now look at you like I really try and do that in my head to not to like boost my self-esteem and say go Diana you're so great but to be like look this is what the Lord has done in your life and like he's He's not going to abandon you because if, if we believe that the Bible is true, we know that he's not going to abandon us because that's what God's word says. And so I have, I mean, gone so far as to even like write down like these milestones in my life. So these 12 stones, not necessarily 12, but however many in my life to say like, this is where I really thought I was at rock bottom and I was convinced that I would never recover and look what the Lord did. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, as you're going through a transition, maybe you're graduating college um, and, and moving back home with your mom and dad, or maybe your roommate just got engaged and they're moving out. Um, and you know, you're, you're one of the few left who isn't married. Like I think looking back on other transitions in your life where you said, Oh my gosh, the whole world is changing. Like the caterpillar is like, Oh my gosh, the world is ending and then becomes a butterfly. Like marking those in your life and taking time to reflect on them and the Lord's goodness in those seasons. Um, Cause he's still the same God. Um, and I think another thing that I would kind of remind people and honestly have to remind myself over and over again is not to underestimate, um, God's ability to work in our pain or work in our loneliness or work in our frustration. Um, just because it's unpleasant doesn't mean that it's not for his glory and our good. And that same, um, verse that you were talking about before in Romans is it's for his glory and for our good. And he promises that. And it's all things like all means all. It doesn't mean everything except that breakup or everything except that, you know, graduating from college. It's, it's all of it. Um, so I think remembering that too. Oh, I love that. Um, and actually I, gosh, I'm so, I agree with everything you said. And, um, I love how you said, um, like looking back, I always think about it. Like I, when I love the, I love the, um, image of the stones. And I actually wrote one of my devotionals is all about that. Um, but I also think about it as like going through my scrapbook with God, like look yeah. at where we've been, you know, and, and I do that all the time because it's like, okay, yeah, if he came through for me in this season and, and yes, that was like excruciatingly painful, but one, it's not painful today. We got through it. And two, look what he did through it. Like, yes, he totally, it was like, caterpillar to a butterfly like he made this part of my life a butterfly and it's so much more beautiful and and so if he did that then he can do it today but the one thing is that I know that some of the women in our community are newer in their faith and newer in their relationship with God and so they might not have gotten to see him do those things in their life but the thing is when I first got like when I was first becoming a Christian I didn't have any of that to to fall back on um like when I was going through everything that I talk about in the lipstick gospel, like I did not know that God was faithful. And really the thing that I leaned on was the testimony of other people. 
Yes. Um, because like my best friend, Michelle, I had watched God transform her life. And I thought, well, I know her and she's not like making this up. She's not faking this. Like she is different and different in a really good way. So if God can do that in her life, he can do it in mine too. And so I think that that's why testimony is so important because if we don't have our own experiences until we have our own experiences to draw from, we can look at other people's yes. and like use that to hold us up. Yeah. Um, I think that the things that I would say are one, um, just because it hurts and is uncomfortable, like doesn't mean it's not good. Like if something hurts, it doesn't mean you made the wrong decision. Um, yeah. I think change always hurts. I think that's just part of it is it always hurts. This is an example. And this is actually one of the biggest fights Carl and I've ever gotten in. Uh, so here we go. Um, but so <laughs> we, when we first moved to Nashville, we lived in this little apartment and it wasn't like super crappy. It was like a little crappy, but we made it cute. But it was our first home together. And, and so I totally loved it. And um, at the end of that year, we had bought a house and we were about to move into that house. And the house was a total upgrade, like in a bazillion different ways. It was so much nicer than what we were living in in the apartment. But as we were moving out of the apartment, I cried and cried and cried. And I remember sitting, so it was it was a, a hard transition. Like we, um, you know, moving is always stressful and hard. And so I feel like we weren't like kind of connecting very well in those couple weeks when we were moving. And so we were in the parking lot at Home Depot trying to get some shades for our new house because new houses don't come with any window mm -hmm. coverings at all. Um, and we're sitting in the parking lot and I remember looking at him and I was crying and I was like, I hate our new house. I wish we never moved because it felt to me like our whole lives had changed as we were moving. Yeah. And he was so mad at me. <laughs> he was so mad. He was so mad. He like got out of the car and like started just like walked away because he was like, you've got to be kidding me. We've worked so hard to get this house. And like you now you're saying you hate it. Are you serious? But really, it was just I think that change is so uncomfortable. And even if we're changing something crappy for something really nice, unfamiliar still doesn't feel good right away. Yeah. And so like when we're letting go of an old relationship, even if we know this is bad for us and, and hurting us, it's still really hard to let go of it because it's comfortable and familiar. And so whatever the new thing is, is never going to look better. Or there's going to be a time when the new thing, no matter how much better it is, is going to look worse than the old thing, just because the old thing's familiar. Um, oh gosh. But I feel like having that in mind and knowing that helps to be like, okay, like we have kind of rose colored glasses to, to whatever the familiar thing is. So like, I'm going to think that this apartment is better because it's familiar, but I'm going to keep walking forward because I know in my head that actually this new house is better. Or I'm going to walk away from this old relationship because I know he doesn't treat me well. And even though the comfort sounds better, I'm going to keep walking away because I know I deserve more. Um, and just not being surprised when it hurts in the meantime. It's so good. Have um, you read um, uh, Wild and Free by uh, Jess Connolly and Haley Morgan? I'm halfway through it, actually. Tell me, tell okay. me. Yes. Well, spoiler alert. It's like one of the last chapters. So, so. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so sorry. No, but it's one of those things like I don't think you could hear enough. Um, but I think it's a chapter that Haley has written. And she talks about Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad and how um, Harriet Tubman you know, obviously like freed, help freed the slaves. So she would go, um, through the underground railroad to get slaves and bring them, um, into freedom. And it was a long and hard road. Like it was risky. It was daunting. They knew that there was, there was like the possibility they'd get caught. Um, but she knew because she had experienced the freedom that it was worth it. But there were still a number of slaves who, when they got halfway along the underground railroad, they were like, 
no way, not for us. We're going back. Like we know what's, we know what's over there in slavery. And we prefer that than this unknown, even though what was on the other side was so worth the risk and so worth the discomfort. And like that to me was just one of the most powerful illustrations about how like one freedom is that way, like to fight for our own freedom and the freedom of others. But like changes like that, like to be able to look at people who are going through these monumental changes, whether it's a breakup or marriage or graduating college or starting a new job, like, Hey, like it is worth it. What is on the other side of this is worth it for you because we serve a good God. That was me. (laughs) That's okay. Um, I, I love that so much. I love that so much. Oh, that's so good. Okay. I feel like we cannot say anything else. So I'm just going to ask you my last podcasty questions because sure. that's the best. Um, so first of all, what is God teaching you these days? Hmm. Okay. So I think what has been coming up over and over again, and this is like different than the answer that I had like planned to say at the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> but I feel like I have done a great deal of like looking at other people's lives. Like, so particularly like for Tyler and I, like if we think in the next few years that we would want to start a family and I see people who are in that stage now and they have full-time jobs and they have husbands and they have kids and they keep it all together and they feed their kids and keep them alive. And I'm like, how on earth do they do that? Like, I want to be a mom so bad one day, but I'm like, sometimes I come home and eat chips for dinner because I'm too lazy to cook. But like, you can't do that with a three-year-old. <laughs> so I like sometimes will get overwhelmed, like looking at other people's lives. And I am reminded over and over again by the Lord that he promises to give us new mercies each day and grace for each day. And like, for me, that day of having a three-year-old hasn't come yet. So I don't have the grace for that yet. But when I get there, I'm promised that I will have the grace. And so I am just spinning my wheels and wasting time worrying about it because that grace has not been poured into my cup yet because I'm not sitting at that table. Um, But when I am sitting at that table, like the Lord will fill my cup. So I think just stopping comparing myself to other people because God has me in this season for a reason. And like, I have the grace for where I'm at now. Girl, oh my gosh, I could just weep. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. Oh, that's so good. I feel like everyone's just sitting there going, uh, oh my gosh. And then taking notes, backing it up, writing that down. Oh, thanks. Um, thank you for sharing that. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Um, number two, what's something even kind of random that's been bringing you joy lately? Okay. So I'm like a little bit embarrassed of this because I feel kind of bandwagon-y, but I am all about some essential oils right now. Girl. Okay. Okay. Like I just got my first premium starter kit and um, I'm not like selling them or anything. I just wanted to sign up for the discount and I have diffused lavender for like almost a year when I go to bed, but now I have like the full kit and I just like can't stop diffusing all good smelling things. And it's so wonderful. Uh, I love that. Also, uh, I need to do like a huge shout out right now. I'm going to have to tell her later that I did this, but, um, you should follow my friend Christian Garvey um, on Instagram. I feel like you guys are like maybe kindred spirits 
Uh, and I think you would love her. She's hilarious. And actually she sells oils, but she talks about them and how she uses them. And she has a daughter who's hilarious. And, um, Carl went to high school with her husband. And so we like, uh, know them for a bunch of different reasons, but they're amazing. But I think that you would just think Christian's the best. So okay, you know, I need go look up Christian Garvey. She's awesome. <laughs> and she sells oils. <laughs> oh, awesome. I definitely will. Uh, I love that. Um, okay. So who are, this is our last question. Um, who's a woman who's been inspiring you lately? Hmm. Um, I think I have two. Is that okay? Oh yeah. We have no okay. rules around here. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. Um, the first is, um, Hunter Belis, um, from the journey woman podcast. I don't know if you guys have like intersected at all or have like connected, but she is amazing. Um, and she is one of those women who like has two kids and a husband and a podcast. And I'm like, girl, I don't know how you do it. Um, but she is just such, such a sweet girl and, um, has such a heart for people to know God's word. And, um, I just feel like every episode of her podcast is something that I walk away with like an actionable, like resource. And I just really appreciate that. Um, so she is definitely one of them. And then the other one is definitely, um, Joy Egricks Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is hilarious. Her and her husband live in Paris. I like watch every single one of her Instagram stories. And if I miss them, like I'll go back like <laughs> I'll go back and watch ones from like previous days before they expire. She just cracks me up because she's just goofy and like her unbridled self 24 seven. And I just love that and want to be friends with her and visit her in Paris. <laughs> she's the best. She's hilarious. I love that. Oh, she's such so good ones. And Diana, thank you so much for being here. This is so fun. And I am just so, so glad the girls got to meet you. I know that they're going to walk away so encouraged. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Steph. I loved it. Guys, isn't Diana the best? I just loved her and I loved this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you ever want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is just go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. And all the links will be there for everything we talked about, including Diana's contact info. So y'all can follow her and so y'all can be friends. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I can't tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls Night. Before you go, I would love it if you would do just two quick things. The first is to subscribe. Subscribing to the podcast is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It's also a way easier way to listen because it's a way of sort of bookmarking the podcast. You never have to go looking for it again. Your app will just automatically download the next episode once a new one's released. The other thing is that it would mean so much to me if y'all would take just a quick second to leave a rating and a review for the podcast. The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So would you do me a huge favor and just take one quick second to leave a rating and a quick comment about how you like the podcast so far? It would help us out so much. And thank you to all of you who have left all of those beautiful five-star reviews already. I can't tell you how much that means to me. Friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And I have to tell you, this next one is so much fun. Next week, my sweet friend Mari is hopping back into the host chair, and she's going to be interviewing me. But she's not just interviewing me. I'm not in that guest chair alone. Sitting right next to me is going to be my sweet husband, Carl Wilson. I am so excited. Next week, Mari is going to be asking Carl and I all the questions we're asked most often by my sweet readers and listeners, questions we rarely get the chance to answer. We're going to be sharing how we met, all about our first date, how we knew each other was the one, We'll be sharing our best dating advice, our best advice for how to prepare for a really great marriage, and so much more. 
The conversation was so much fun. Carl is hilarious and so, so wise. I cannot wait for you to get to know him better. So make sure to tune in next week for episode 16 of the Girls Night Podcast, and I'll see you then.